How can you know God exists? When you pray, if you pray, how can you know if someone is listening? Or is it just words bouncing off the ceiling of your bedroom? Is there even a God to hear? Are we alone? If God is out there, He's huge, powerful. He's the creator of the universe. Or is it just empty space? Can you really know God exists? Or is that something you have to just accept on blind faith? Well, God says, come now and let us reason together. So can a rational, intelligent person reasonably believe in God? Or is the more reasonable question, how can a rational, intelligent person not believe in God? Today, let's look at three rational proofs God exists. If God exists, then He is stunningly powerful. He is the author, creator, and ruler of the universe. But the late physicist Stephen Hawking said science has made God unnecessary. He said that the laws of physics can explain the universe without the need for a creator. But is that really true? I mean, the laws of physics explain how the cosmos works, but physics doesn't explain how the cosmos came to be. Or who wrote the laws of physics? I mean, who designed the rules by which the universe functions? Well, no less than the great physicist Albert Einstein, he acknowledged that everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man, and one in the face of which we, with our modest powers, must feel humble. Now, Einstein may not have believed in a God who is active in the personal lives of individuals like is described in the Bible, but he recognized there is a God, superior to man, who animated the cosmos. More and more scientists of all stripes are recognizing that there is incredible complex design throughout the universe, and in even the most basic of cells and molecules, design that defies explanations by random chance design that points clearly to an intelligent designer. Scientific materialists, though, like Richard Dawkins, they tell us that they can explain the appearance of design by purely naturalistic means, by random chance and natural selection. But do their elaborate theories fall apart under scrutiny? Well, the evidence cannot be denied. And the more that scientists have studied, the more obvious it is. From the discovery of the complex coding of information that's written into the DNA of every living cell, to the fine-tuning of the physical laws that govern the cosmos, the evidence of forethought, planning, and design is clearly everywhere. Einstein is credited with having said, in the view of such harmony in the cosmos which I, with my limited human mind, am able to recognize, there are yet people who say there is no God. But what makes me really angry is that they quote me for support of such views. <laughs> Einstein could be echoing the words of God in Romans chapter 1, where God says, 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Well, let's look more closely at three things that give us evidence that God exists. First, let's look at the very existence of the physical universe itself. I mean, how did it come to be? Frankly, the materialistic ideas that have been proposed to explain how the cosmos came to be, they work according to theoretical ideas and laws of physics which have to be accepted in order to make their theories work. The idea is that there must be natural laws explaining it all that just haven't been proven or even discovered yet. But the physics and the cosmology that we do know, they show us that the universe came into existence in what has been described as a Big Bang, a cosmic explosion of everything out of nothing, about 13.8 billion years ago. Now, when the Big Bang theory was first promoted in the 1920s, it wasn't a popular idea. It sounded too much like a creation event. The common idea in science before this was that matter had to simply always have existed. But all of the scientific disciplines, they soon came to acknowledge the very clear evidence that the universe was expanding. And that meant that the universe had a beginning. The theory was strongly confirmed in 1965 with the discovery of what's been called the Cosmic Microwave Background, or the CMB. It's a faint radiation that fills the whole universe and it represents the afterglow of the Big Bang. Well, scientists have been able to kind of reverse engineer the expanding universe using the known laws of science to a point in time of about 13.8 billion years ago, to a point when the known laws of physics that govern our universe don't work anymore, to a point in time when the condensing mass of the universe would become too dense, and gravity and light and time, they would all in a sense collapse into itself into what's been described as an infinitesimally small, immensely hot, and infinitely dense singularity. And for some unexplained reason, 13.8 billion years ago, that singularity exploded, giving us the origin of the universe in an instant of time of a massive cosmic inflation that lasted only a fraction of a second. Or in other words, the Big Bang. It all happened in a flash. And then in less than a second, this massive, faster than light expansion put on the brakes and suddenly slowed down to continue expanding at a much slower rate. And within milliseconds, they describe a time when all the basic elements of matter and energy that are needed for the universe came into existence. With instantly functional and perfectly tuned laws of gravity and physics that didn't exist just milliseconds before. In other words, the scientists tell us you have matter, time, and energy that all came into existence at once. Now, in an article on the NewScientist.com website, it explains that this cosmic inflation was invented to explain a couple of features of the universe that are really hard to explain without it. Scientists acknowledge that it's not clear what would have made the early universe inflate anyway. Worse, 
Inflation is very difficult to stop. But somehow, this is what the science describes. Now, logically, if the universe had a beginning, then it had to have a beginner. No matter how long ago in the distant past that may have been, perhaps it was 13.8 billion years ago. Genesis 1.1 simply says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And scripture doesn't put a time limit on that. Our article on Life, Hope, and Truth on the Gap Theory explains this verse. It's a verse that's often misunderstood and mischaracterized by believers in God and atheists alike. But the mere existence of matter, energy, and time, with all our current understanding of physics and cosmology, points to a creation, and so to a creator. Now, to be fair, the most recent images that are being received by the James Webb Space Telescope, they seem to be challenging some of the assumptions that are made in the Big Bang Theory. Part of that is the age of the universe. Other theories are being proposed as well that attempt to explain how we're finding galaxies that just seem to be too old to fit our model of the Big Bang. One idea is that there are repeated pulses of a cosmic Big Bang, and then a collapse, and then another Big Bang. Another idea is that there are actually multiverses, not one, but many universes. Well, you know, materialistic explanations of how we can have a creation without a creator, including the hypothetical existence of multiverses, they don't answer the problem. I mean, in fact, they exacerbate it. If you can't explain the origin of even one universe, how do you explain the origin of dozens or even hundreds of universes? Well, the idea of an alternate or a parallel universe, that makes for good science fiction, but it doesn't explain the origin of even one of them. The existence of matter, time, and energy of the universe, which we now know had a beginning, it needs to have a beginner. If we have matter, time, and energy, which at some point didn't exist, then you need something or someone that is not limited by time, matter, and energy to create it, to bring it into existence, to organize it, and to make it work. Creation requires a creator. But let's assume that somehow, without any direction by a supreme creator and designer, everything did explode into existence out of nothing, out of some super-dense singularity. Where did the order and the structure that we see in the universe come from? I mean, when was the last time that you witnessed an explosion that generated order instead of chaos? I can guarantee you that if you blow up a bridge, you won't end up with a skyscraper. To create order requires intelligence, forethought, and design. And our universe is incredibly fine-tuned in its design. So what caused all the stuff in the Big Bang to organize? Well, that takes a mind with purpose and intention to design. We see functional design everywhere throughout the universe from the structure of a flower petal to the cohesive orbit of planets in a solar system. There is order, there is function, there is pattern, there is design. 
And when you see letters arranged in certain sequences and patterns, well, you know that they make words and sentences. And you know that's the product of an intelligent mind to have set the pattern of those letters in order, in functional order, with a goal in mind to communicate information. Scientists well understand this clear point, that when you have a functional pattern, it indicates an intelligence behind it that made it. And they have, in fact, based an entire field of research on this understanding. As part of what's called the SETI project, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, there are 27 large radio antennas that are spread out over the high desert near Socorro, New Mexico, in what they call the Very Large Array, the VLA. These antennas are scanning the sky 24-7, looking for some pattern to emerge from the random background radiation waves that are in the cosmos. Why? Well, because they know that if they identify such a pattern, they will have found evidence of intelligence in the universe. A code, not of random radio waves, but something that's organized, obviously guided and devised by intelligent beings. It's ironic, isn't it, that on the one hand, scientists are looking for any indication of a recognizable pattern or a code in the radio waves of space, knowing that it is intelligent life somewhere out there that is required to put such a code together, and yet, faced with an incredibly complex code that we now understand is written into the DNA of every living cell, the same scientists believe that could have happened by accident without the guidance of an intelligent being to write the code. When you see order, when you see functional design, the rational conclusion is that it was put together by an intelligent being with purpose in mind. The plumbing system in your house is a functional design. The electrical wiring that runs through your walls is a functional design. It was made to carry electricity to outlets in your home from a distant power generator. And we see these things and we know they're the work of a plumber or an electrician who designed them and built them. They didn't just happen on their own. But we're surrounded in nature by incredible design. A bird's wing is designed for flight. A cell's DNA is designed to guide the complex reproduction of life in the cell. Evidence of design in nature is far more complex than any designs or codes that man has come up with. The design of a bird to fly is far more complex than the design of an airplane. But materialists, they say the plane was designed by aeronautical engineers, and the bird happened by chance. Physics, the fine-tuning of gravity, the laws of chemistry, biology, the incredible digital code found in DNA, all of these reveal patterns and design that could not happen without an intelligent designer. The presence of design is evidence of an intelligent and powerful designer, God. But let's consider another rational proof of a rational creator. And that's the very ability that we have to reason at all. Creation requires a creator, and design requires a designer. And even though rational, intelligent human beings can disagree, as I know some will, we can still reason together on arguments. We can think.
Now consider this for a minute. Let's take God out of the picture. We're left with a Big Bang that produced matter and energy. And eventually, by the properties of material nature, physics, gravity, chemistry, atoms and molecules came together and they formed dust clouds and rocks, spinning planets in space. Eventually, evolutionary theorists tell us, chemical bonds started forming out of lifeless space rocks and electrified ooze to form the first amino acids and protein chains, the rudimentary elements of life. Where did the ability for the ooze to think come from? Someone once said that nothing is what a rock thinks about. So even if a rock or random chemicals somehow started to reproduce in some form of life, now at best you have a, a plant. Well, plants are living, but they still don't think. But humans and animals with brains, we think. We can process information and act on it. This is different from chemical processes that simply react to environmental factors. How did thought begin to happen from random chemical processes? <laughs> this is a huge leap, and it's completely unexplained by science. You know, we can measure in our brains the function the electrochemical impulses have that activate when we think. But if thinking is just a result of electrochemical processes firing off in our brains, then we're robots with no real control and no genuine free will. But we're not robots or automatons. We exercise control over our thoughts. Science puzzles over this relationship between brain and mind. Where does one end and the other begin? And how did electrocharged unconscious chemicals that turned into unconscious amino acids and proteins somehow become conscious? How did a rock start to think? Is the mind something more than just matter? Is there mind or intelligence that somehow exercises power over matter? Well, you know, sometimes we can get excited or scared and physically, reactively, our heart races, our breathing increases, that's automatic, that's reactive. But you can think, and that's not just a reactive electrochemical response to stimulus in the brain. You can consciously control your thinking and even make physical changes by nothing more than thought. You can slow down your breathing and your heart by thought. So how do chemicals develop consciousness? In a TED Talk by brain researcher V.S. Ramachandran on three clues to understanding your brain, a talk that he gave in 2007, he said, think for a minute about what this entails. Here is this three pound mass of jelly, he was referring to your brain, this three pound mass of jelly that you can hold in the palm of your hand and it can contemplate the vastness of the interstellar space. It can contemplate the meaning of infinity. And it can contemplate itself contemplating the meaning of infinity. And there is this peculiar recursive quality that we call 
self-awareness that we call the holy grail of neuroscience, neurology. And hopefully, he said, we'll understand someday about how that happens. Now, God said in Genesis that he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God created man. And when he did that, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, as we've seen, there's intelligence reflected in the design that we find throughout the creation. Life, the earth, the universe, it all reflects an intelligent creator God. Part of being like God, then, is the ability to think, to reason, to have the capacity of intelligence. God is a powerful, intelligent being. And when he made man, he imparted the power of intelligence, of thought, which man could not have by any other means. Our ability to reason is a testimony to the author and the giver of life. It's an evidence of the existence of an intelligent creator, God. Without that ability to reason, we would not have the ability to have relationship. And God desires to have a relationship with his creation, with you and with me. And so he gave you a mind that is, at least in a small way, like his. And he asks you to use it, to reason together with him, to get to know him, to have a relationship with him. You can know that God exists. He does. Download our study guide from the Life, Hope, and Truth website on Does God Exist? It covers four proofs of his existence. The origin of the universe, the design of the universe, the origin of life, and a point we didn't cover on this program, fulfilled prophecy. Download it today and get to know God personally. For Life, Hope, and Truth, this is James Capo. We'll see you next time. Thank you.